Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now. I have episode 64 of the podcast that was originally recorded on March 30th of 2015. Some of the games I played for the week, I talked about Dice Masters, even though I really haven't played it since last Tuesday, talked about my adventures with the Pathfinder Adventure Card Game Skull and Shackles Organized Play, I then hit on a couple other board games I played on board game night like Lords of Waterdeep and The Downfall of Pompeii, I then talked about a couple of the games I want to play now, so enjoy the episode. Good evening, gamers, and welcome to another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. We are on episode 64, and my name is Joe Luzzi. Hey, you can find us on the internet. Send us some emails. Let us know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to whatimplayingnow at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at whatimplayingnow. You can also find us on Facebook. Just do a search on Facebook for What I'm Playing Now. We also have a Google Plus page, which is plus.google.com slash the plus sign What I'm Playing Now podcast. And of course, our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash What I'm Playing Now. So let's jump into what I've played for the week. We're going to start off with some Dice Masters. And even though I really haven't played since last Tuesday, tomorrow there is supposed to be a draft, a rainbow draft, down at the store where I normally go to play. So hopefully we can get a crew um, going for that one. I'm kind of looking forward to doing another draft for D&D. If not, hopefully we can just get a bunch of people together to maybe just play some all D&D and no mixing of any other sets because we'd kind of like to get that going. So we'll see what happens if we don't do the draft. But I did want to mention a few things about Dice Masters. And since I did my favorite dice last week, one of the things I figured I would do this week would talk about my favorite card art that are on the cards, actually. And I have a couple of cards in my hand that I'm looking at, and I was kind of going through the set for the past week, looking at a lot of the different the different cards do, looking at a lot of the pictures. And I the art, like I said before in the in, in previous podcasts, the art on these D&D cards is, are just amazing. So some of the cards that I think have some of the best art on them, and these are in no particular order, and the first one is the Beholder, just like the die. I, I think the Beholder picture that's actually on the card is just completely reminiscent of the Beholder that you would run into back in when I was playing advanced D&D, oh, probably 20-some years ago, even playing basic and expert D&D, the, the Beholder was just a creature and monster that everybody had just run into, and it's the I think the card art that is on this card is just, I think just captures the picture of the Beholder, the coloring, and just how menacing-looking the Beholder can be. It, it's, a, it's a very perfect card. The next one that I, th- I really enjoyed was the Invisible Stalker. I just kind of like the look of the card and the way you see this elemental creature coming up behind a character and, and just inflicting damage upon the character. Once again, the art on some of these cards, it, I, I will say, is top-notch. Invisible Stalker is the next one on my list. Of course, I had to put the Mind Flare in there. The Mind Flare was my favorite die, like I had stated last week. And I think the picture of the Mind Flare is just is just another menacing monster. And this is going to probably be one of the decks that I make here very shortly. The, fir- the fr- a couple, Last week, or two weeks ago, I think, when we played... I try to make an all good deck. I think the next deck I make is going to be an all monster deck. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to using a lot of these monsters that I'm actually talking about right now. I may be trying to build a deck around some of them or maybe have a couple of different monster decks that I could throw together. The last card that I kind of really enjoyed the art on is the Finger of Death basic action card. And when you really kind of look at this card, you really have to look closely 
at the creature, at the monster that's kind of in the card, as well as the door and just all the blood that is on the door and, and just what the picture kind of depicts. I think it's just a, a really good picture. And if I had to pick one out to be my favorite, uh, I think the Mind Flare is actually going to get knocked out of my top spot for this week. He does still control my top die, I would say. But I think the Beholder picture is the one that kind of wins it for me in this set. Like I said, especially playing D&D, Advanced D&D back in the day. The Beholder was something you, as a D&D, you kind of, as a, as, a D, as a dungeon master, you kind of just threw at your characters every once in a while when they're going through a dungeon just to really freak them out. And it was it was one we all used to have miniature figures for. And when, when you saw that thing land on the table in front of you, you knew that the battle was going to be a really good one. So I'd have to say those are probably my top art cards out of the set. I'm going to be working with the set a little bit more in the next couple of weeks. And I'm going to start maybe pulling out some of the better card abilities that I like to use once I get a little bit more usage of these cards under my belt. I still haven't played enough straight D&D to be able to do that yet. So hopefully once I can get a little bit more usage out of the cards, we're going to throw that into one of the sections when we're talking about Dice Masters. But that's going to be it for Dice Masters for the weekend. We're going to jump into our Pathfinder Adventure card game. We're playing through the Skull and Shackles organized play still and the first scenario we worked on yesterday was 03b on top of the world the villain that we had to defeat was sarlis and all the henchmen were buccaneers but the really nice and interesting thing with the buccaneers this week was that when you pulled a buccaneer they actually were the henchmen the lightning elemental which if you know anything about the pathfinder adventure card game they are a little bit tougher than the buccaneers also in this scenario, all of the locations were Pinnacle Atoll locations. This card can be a very tricky card because every time you do an explore, you have to roll a die, and if you roll a one, you can actually encounter the henchman Hergenzosk. Hergenzosk is a huge monster that basically is, a, I think, a, I think they it's about 30 to defeat them if you were to actually try to fight them. So we actually got really lucky, even though we did roll quite a few ones and Hergensask ended up in a couple of locations. Uh, we were able to close those, location, those locations quickly by running into the Buccaneers and basically killing the, light, the Lightning Elementals. It seemed like we were able to finish this scenario much faster than we were a lot of the quests in the scenario two, especially even in scenario one. We had plenty of blessing cards left in the deck. I don't believe anybody was near close to being dead. I don't even think we needed to use too many heals throughout the game. So it was it was really interesting. I don't know if some of these scenarios are maybe just a little easier or if our characters are actually becoming a little stronger. Well, I, I know they're actually becoming stronger, but like I said before, it if just changing a few cards and being able to add in a few more skills into your character changes the game this much, it's they, I think the game can be is balanced really good. I was able to actually knock out Sarlis when it came time for us to encounter her. I was the one that actually drew her card. We had somebody else close the one last location that was um, open temporarily. And I think I had, when I was rolling my die, I was casting a spell and using my 10-sided dice my 10-sided dice to actually roll damage. And I think pretty much just about everyone in my team was able to give me a blessing. So I, we pretty much knew she was going to be defeated pretty much just between the roll of the dice as well as the bonuses I get for, for damage and combat from all of my skills and abilities. So a really good scenario. We really liked it. We got done with that one took a couple of upgrade a couple of us took some upgrades i don't think the reward on that one was as good cuz the reward for 
that scenario was basically that each character can choose, got to choose basically a weapon or spell, and then you got to draw a random type of that from your box, from the box. So pretty much getting anything good out of that scenario was really tricky. I think I actually got very lucky and was able to get a spell three out of it. So my draw was one of the better draws. I think out of our whole group of six, I think only two of us actually took that reward because nobody else wanted to upgrade to anything that they had drawn. So the next scenario that we then jumped over to was 03C, and that was Jungle Boogie. This one was another interesting one. This one, the villain was Salisa. Our henchmen were scurvy zombies. Now, as we all know, zombies don't necessarily die easily. So once you actually defeated a scurvy zombie, you actually had to summon and encounter the henchman Fish Pork. And everybody just loved the character Fish Pork. It, throughout that whole scenario, everybody was laughing each time we got to pull the card out. And everybody just had a great time with Fish Pork. It's, it's a spectacular name. It was a really great card. And this one, this scenario, I will say, was a little tougher than 03B on top of the world. This scenario, I think we actually had a couple of people who were needing to be healed. It, it, I think this one took us a little bit longer to actually complete. I was getting actually a little nervous towards the end of the game because I was sitting there taking a look at the Blessings deck and I noticed that we only maybe had a turn and a half left if that. We still hadn't, you know, gone through. We still had several locations opened. It was, it was, it was kind of getting down to the wire and then finally we kind of spread our people out. Somebody actually pulled Salisa. We were able to defeat her, temporarily close a couple of locations, defeat her, and everybody was completely stoked that everybody got an additional card feat for defeating that scenario. So the reward for that one was the card feat, and I'd say that was that was definitely a good one. So my character, and I think like I mentioned before in a couple of, a couple episodes ago, I'm playing Valandron, the elf sorcerer. My character, I, I think, is pretty much coming along pretty good. As far as my skills, I have a plus three to my charisma. So basically, whenever I'm casting a spell that's arcane, my charisma, I get a plus two. And then with my additional plus three, I'm usually getting a plus five to any attacks that I'm doing. If any card that I want to use, I can turn into a spell. I actually get the plus one there and because I took that uh, power before. I can also reduce combat damage to me, dealt to, dealt to me by two. That was a power that I took. As far as my cards went, I was really torn between taking a card upgrade this time or a blessing upgrade. I actually, or I mean a spell upgrade or a blessing upgrade. I actually went with a spell so I can now have six spells in my deck and I'm up to four allies. That was one that I had taken earlier. I'm thinking I will probably take the blessings next with my next card feat. So I'm, I'm currently at four, which is the base, but I think having that extra spell might be kind of nice, especially since the last scenario that I was playing, I had just gotten a really bad shuffle of cards and my spells were just all grouped together and I seemed to be using a lot of other cards as spells and I was burning through my deck very quickly by doing this. And it was getting me a little nervous I think I actually had to get healed once during this game because I was running a little bit low. But we were able to pull through. We were able to win both scenarios, which we were all excited about. So hopefully next time we will be able to finish up 03D and then jump into the fourth adventure deck. And we're working our way through the rest of the organized play for Skull and Shackles. That was it for Pathfinder on Sunday. On my normal Thursday board game group, got to play a couple of really good games. I had put in a request out to some people. I wanted to play Lords of Waterdeep. I've heard a lot about Lords of Waterdeep from various podcasts, reading a lot of different groups on Facebook. I know it's a, I know it was a really good worker placement game, and it's one of the worker placement games that a lot of people suggest that it, you can play it. Is it should be one of the first ones that you play. I've played a lot of worker placement game over the over the past you know year or so. 
And this was one that just has, I've never been around when anybody's actually been playing it. So I threw a request out to some people. When I got there, we actually had a group of five that we put together. We weren't playing with the expansion, so we were just playing with the the base set. And we actually had somebody new to the group that had not really played any other games before. He caught on really quickly as to how the worker placement concept went. And basically in this game, you're starting the game with a lord and two workers and some quests. And your goal is to basically finish as many quests as you can throughout the game. Now the nice part about this is each lord has a couple of specialty quests that you can get additional points for at the end of the game for your victory point total. There's one lord I know that I think the new guy had actually had at our table where he actually didn't get bonuses for quests. He got bonuses for building buildings. So you have to watch out if you see somebody building a lot of buildings and trying to stockpile those, you may want to get on that building spot first before them and try to stifle that and not let them get as many buildings as they probably want to. So basically on your turn, you go around the table and each person places one of their workers on a square. And the squares will let you do, the different parts of the city is basically where you're placing your workers. And it'll let you do various things. You can acquire various resources that can then be used to help you complete quests. You can also, there's a building spot where you can actually purchase buildings. You can get, like I said, additional resources. With the buildings, the nice thing is you can get additional resources because when you have a building out on the table, somebody can put their worker on there. They will get the benefit of the building. And then in the lower corner of the building is a benefit that that you get, which is basically almost like a little, you can consider it like the rent payment of Monopoly is kind of how I was explaining it to a couple of people. You can also, there's a place on the square where you can actually get new quests as well as influence cards. And the influence cards really came in handy early on in the game because I was able to start acquiring a lot of resources quickly on and several people started playing the influence cards. And if you had a particular type of resource on certain influence cards, it would make you discard those the some of the different resources that you had. I had a nice stockpile of resources going after a couple of very bad plays. Well, I don't want to say bad plays by my opponents, but after some very mean plays by my opponents, I had several of my resources taken away from me and thrown back into the pool, which had really slowed down my game some. And I'd say halfway through the game, I was in the middle of the pack. And then towards the end of the game, I just, I couldn't get my resources going again. It just, everybody just kind of blew by me score wise. The game's played out in eight rounds. And then basically the person with the highest victory points at the end, after totaling up all your points between your buildings and everything else that's going on in the game is the winner. I had a great time. This game has definitely jumped to the top of my I the I want to have list. It sounds from what I'm from talking to a bunch of the people that I had actually played with, they said that the expansion makes the game even better than just the base game. So I really can't wait to actually get this game into my collection. When I get it, I will definitely be purchasing the expansion with it and hopefully getting in some good times with the Lords of Waterdeep. I really like this game. I have a feeling there as far as worker placement goes, it's definitely one of the top ones and it's and it's one that's accessible, I think, to pretty much anybody definitely give it a shot if you get a chance. So then the other game that one of the guys had pulled out off the wall was The Downfall of Pompeii. Now I had not heard of this game and he he had heard of it. He had seen it played, I guess, once before and thought it looked kind of interesting. It's a game that's broken up into basically two distinct components. It's the first part of the game is a game where you actually are dealt cards and you're taking your cards and placing kind of citizens throughout the city based on the card that you have in your hand. Each turn you're going to play a card and then you're able to play a citizen in a particular building. There's two 79 AD cards in the deck. When the first one comes up, 
everybody's basically starting to feel the rumble of the volcano, you can actually then start playing multiple citizens or family members, I guess you could say, on the board if you're putting them in a location that already has people there. I think we kind of did this part a little wrong when we were playing because this was the first time for most of us and the guy who was kind of teaching us. I think he had, it had been a long time since he had played and we were getting a few of the games wrong and we were all kind of laughing like, okay, this is our learning game. I think we got some of that the the way we played some of the 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 citizens incorrectly we were i think we were playing them too many too soon is what i think we were doing but once the the second 79 ad card comes up what happens is all cards get set aside and basically at that point in time all of your characters are basically trying to run out of the city and that's what's getting you your points at the end of the game is basically how many people you can save so what happens then is a bag is passed around with different tokens and these tokens have basically lava pieces on there and in the corner there will be a matching square that you can then match on the board there's five or six different icons i can't remember how many different icons there are and basically the first the first token needs to go on the particular icon and then anyone that matches needs to go adjacent to it not diagonal so basically it's you're just simulating kind of the lava flowing out from different areas of within the city and there's various gates throughout the city that you're then trying to move your characters out through and on your turn you can move two different characters and you can basically move them as many spaces as there are characters in the space that they're in so there are some com- there's little things that are a few tricky to you know tricky to this game but it's it's got some decent strategy to it because you're trying to figure out do I try to get the people in the center of the city out towards the edges first and closer to the doors or do I just get some of the people who are closest to the to the gates out as fast as you can and just try to score those points the other neat thing is if you actually do get to put a lava token down on a piece of the board and there's actually some of your opponent's characters there you get to pick them up and toss them into the 3d volcano that is sitting on the side of the board that's part of the board game and that is probably the most fun part of the game when you just get to sit there and start chucking your opponent's characters and citizens in there before you know they get out through the doors it's a very, very good feeling. So we played that one. We had a pretty good time with it. I wouldn't mind playing it one more time because like I said, I think we actually accelerated the game a little bit because we had way too many characters out on the board way too quickly. So I wouldn't mind playing it again with proper rules. But out of the two games, I would probably pick Lords of Waterdeep if I was to basically half you know get to play one again or have to play one again and lords of Waterdeep is like i said is one that i'm adding to my collection i wish that there, there there's a lords of Waterdeep app out on the ios i guess for your um apple devices it doesn't appear that they have an android one which completely bums me out as i would really like to play this on my android device so i'm not switching to apple i'm not getting an ios device just for this app so i guess i will just have to hopefully wait and pray that they actually come out with that on the google store so that is going to be about it this is going to be a little bit shorter of an episode i'm going to say something here at the end which is i don't know in the what i'm what i want to play now section if i've actually ever done this before the two games that i actually want to play now are actually the two games from last week so i don't know if i've ever actually done this before where i've actually not changed what i want to play the first thing that i wanted to play last week was bloodborne and i actually downloaded this game to the ps4 last night 
Well, my wife and I were watching the Walking Dead finale. I have not had a chance to play it yet, so I'm probably going to try to edit this podcast very quickly, get it uploaded, and maybe run downstairs and get an hour of Bloodborne in tonight if I can. And then, of course, Tiny Epic Kingdoms was the other game that I had picked up at the game store last week. I had actually read through the rules last Thursday while I was down at the game store. We didn't get a chance to bring this one to the table, but from what I've read so far, Tiny Epic Kingdoms actually sounds like it could it could be really fun. It took me a read through of the rules probably a couple of times before I really had a grasp of what was kind of going on and starting to lay out the board and starting to see what was going on. But once I kind of saw everything and then started reading the rules along with it kind of placed out in front of me, the game really started to click and I was like, okay, this could actually be a really fun game and I'm really looking forward to actually playing that one. So I have to say those are probably the two games that I want to play the most right now. Since I have Bloodborne waiting for me, I think that's it. We're going to call it an episode. Hey, as always, let me know what you're playing now. Send me some emails. Send them to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop the G. You can also follow me on Facebook. Just do a search on Facebook for what I'm playing now. And then we have the Google Plus page, which is plus.google.com slash the plus sign what I'm playing now podcast. And of course, the Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. Hey, thanks for spending some time with me. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to give me some reviews on iTunes. Wouldn't mind having a couple of reviews out there, but thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with another episode. So as always, go out there, play some games, and don't forget to let me know what you're playing now. I'll see you later. Bye-bye.